Hey, welcome back to another edition of the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. This is Jim Vavida, Stax, joined today as always by Eric Morrow. What's up? And Chris Carl. Hello. So, we have a... It started off not having much to talk about then, but then certain <laughs> embargoes lifted, and now we can talk about things. Yeah. Um, but let's let's talk about last weekend's box office first, as always. Uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger, on Stranger Tides opened up, and even though it had, um, you know, the biggest opening, domestic opening of the year so far, even though it's cleaning up overseas, I think it's like the fourth highest grossing debut or something overseas, it quote-unquote, only made $90.2 million uh, domestically. Now, considering higher 3D ticket prices, that's still less than what Pirates 2 and 3 made when it opened. Um, do you think we've seen the last of, of the Pirates films? No. No way. No I way. Th- I think so. I think it's making too much money internationally. I think, you know, we have to stop thinking about movies as domestic only. You know, when they clean up overseas, they sometimes do way better numbers in total, Prince of Persia, though overseas, you know, and, and that and those those pirates movies, I gotta, I gotta believe, cost a ton of money to make. Well, know? they they definitely cut the budget in the last one. You yeah. could see it was a much more stage bound movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's like more dry ice. <laughs> we, have to, <laughs> we have to cover up the fact that the set's not complete. Yeah. I, I dry ice. I think it's going to do okay. The one thing I think could affect it, you know, is longevity in the box office because um you know i think the other ones had the benefit of not being around all that much stuff and then this summer we've got so much yeah. just yeah on top of each other um and, and johnny depp's men i know? mean johnny depp says oh i'd play the guy forever but really i mean he's not cheap that yeah. franchise is, is all him and he's getting older i mean you know is he going to be as cool and funny doing that when he's 55 <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I don't. I honestly don't think they're they're gonna stretch it out ad infinitum. But I, like, I do think that there's gonna be you another throw in some Latin. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know how I do. Uh, yeah. I do think there will be one more movie at least. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Bridesmaids held on very strong, second place with twenty point nine million. It was only down a couple of million from its mm-hmm. debut weekend. So that's and I finally saw it. And I loved it. I thought it was great fun. I have to say, Eric Eric Morrow, yeah, I predicted Pirates at ninety two yeah. and Bridesmaids yeah. at nineteen. So that's a and, that's and two Thor. for two. And Thor third place with jeez, Eric Morrow with the crystal Whee! ball. Finally, prognosticator. Wow. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm I'm definitely gonna, I'm going to bow to his judgment from now on. I guess. Um, and then, you know, uh, Fast Five holding in there. Priest still in the, the top five, so. <laughs> Not for long. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, still in the top five with 4.8. Yeah, and, it, and it, it was an expensive movie. It's going to lose money. Oh, yeah, yeah. By Definitely. A lot. All right, so we got uh, some big things we want to talk about this week. Let's move on and... Um, First things first, the Wolverine is not dead. Um, the uh, short list for directors reportedly includes Antoine Fuqua, who did Training Day, James Mangold, who did Three Ten Yuma, uh, Mark Romanek, who did One Hour Photo, Jose Padilla, who did the Elite Squad movies and is attached to the Robocop remake, Doug Lyman, who did Born Identity, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, Justin Lin, who did the Fast and Furious okay. sequels. Um, except for the second one. Right. Gavin O'Connor, who did Miracle, and he's got this new movie, Warrior, coming up with Tom Hardy. 
And then a guy named Gary Shore, who is just a recent film graduate, but he's got a short film, a short Wolverine film that's on uh, online that kind of shows what he would do with it. And it's very kind of okay. imaginative kind of uh, approach to it. Um, so those are the guys that Variety says are on the short list, the direct. Uh, any of those names seem... You know, there there are some that are classier picks than others. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Before we chime in real quick, why is it that it seems like with the Wolverine franchise on its own, its own individual franchise in particular, you take take Doug Lyman and Justin Lin out of that equation and, and perhaps that new guy you were talking about at the very end. Very sure. Everybody else, though, like you said, it's like, why not just go with a comic book, you know, Director, if you will, a yeah. Matthew Vaughn, a you know yeah. that sort. I think that's what I'm saying. Doug Lyman, I think is is. I mean, Jumper was very comic booky. Yeah. Justin Lin with the Fast and Furious movies; those are kind of like well, a comic think, book. But I those other guys, James Mangold, though. I mean, he did Three Ten Yuma. He did Night and Day. He did Walk the Line. So he's got. Um, you know, two of those movies were Fox movies. The last one didn't do that well, Night and Day. So he could pro- he probably needs Wolverine more than it needs yeah. him. And he's also an actor's director. He would definitely bring some some chops to the movie. Uh, Mark Robinek is, you know, he was the guy who was supposed to do The Wolfman and then backed right. out of that. That's right. Um, I just see him and, and Fox clashing. I don't see <laughs> yeah. that happening. Jose Padilla, maybe, just because, you know, the RoboCop remake I don't think is happening anytime soon. Gavin O'Connor and, and you know, it's no surprise that Fox likes to kind of muscle in on, on their, on their yeah. directors. I mean, it happened with Gavin Hood on the last one and... I just some of these guys don't seem like they would put up with that crap. Yeah, yeah. I think Mark Romanek's one that wouldn't for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, he's although, the kind of guy that would quit three weeks before. Start. <laughs> I would, yeah. I would love to see him do that movie. But um, for those of you who don't know, he's like a big music video director. Yeah. Um, he's done some really cool stuff uh, over the years. Um, I think he did the uh, 99 Problems Jay-Z video. He also did uh, Fiona Apple's Criminal video. Did he do the video for uh, Hurt, the Johnny Cash one? I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's got he's got a very diverse kind of like talent. Yeah. Um. So I think he could he could be an interesting choice. Um, I think but, Antoine Fuqua is like your your middle of the road like safe choice director. Um, I think Doug Lyman might be you know pretty interesting pick, but he seems to kind of ramble with his you know his directing yeah. style. Yeah. You know, like he kind of does it on the fly. And I don't know if that's necessarily what you want with a, a yeah. property that gets so much on the line as Wolverine too. I'm kind of on a Justin Lin high right now. I'd I'd like to see him tackle it. I really I really think. Um, well, with Terminator now not happening. Yeah, exactly. So as but well. I just think he he could bring um, a level of excitement and um, fun. Yeah, yeah, he gets and just a fast you know a speed to it. You know what I mean? And yeah. For lack of a better word. But here's the thing: it is. And it's set in Tokyo, it right? The, it's going to be. Yeah. It is the so Tokyo storyline, yeah. though. So I, I actually be the feel Tokyo like Tokyo Drift of X Men. Well, I, <laughs> I think it needs a little bit gentler hand than you know than maybe some like a big action director. I mean, it'd be an incredibly different movie from going from Aronofsky to Justin Lin. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think. Um, but remember, his first film, his indie film. Yeah. wasn't a big action set piece. You oh, know. Was that was one again? Better, better Tomorrow? Better tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Which I didn't really like. I thought it was a little boring, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it does out. show that he can do like a sort of smaller scale yeah. like, character driven. I just, I want to see, you know, Wolverine uh, surrounded by a bunch of whores. 
in a nightclub, you know? <laughs> Why? With, uh, with like, red light and shit, because that's what Justin Lin would bring to it. A lot of chicks bumping, grinding, and writhing <laughs> to bad music. And Han from the Fast and Furious franchise yeah. would make an appearance. <laughs> yeah, he would, he, would, he would play a member of the hand. Yeah. From Han to hand. Um, so, on the uh, Fast and Furious tip, Vin Diesel has been talking up. Uh, he's, you know, still doing some press overseas for... Fast and Furious, or Fast Five, I'm sorry, and uh, says that Riddick 3 is going to film this summer. And, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, that David Toohey is back to direct, that it's going to be R-rated, and in order to make the movie that they want to make, he's going to have to work for uh, scale up front. So, That's kinda, cool. I, yeah. That is another classic example of, I mean, I believe it. Yeah. And when there's a set visit, it's yeah. that guy that's trying to will that movie into existence. It's the you know? Ghostbusters <laughs> yeah. three. Exactly. Of, of exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, what else is Vin Diesel really doing? You know, he's got Fast and Furious yeah. series and then and then Riddick. Those are kind of his two like um big franchises. I'd like I'd like to see a Riddick movie that's good. Like, I know everybody likes Pitch Black. It was okay, guys. It wasn't, yeah. like, amazing. Mm-hmm. It was a good, decent movie, like yeah. sci-fi movie. I think the, what it benefited from is that there wasn't a whole lot of sci-fi um, going on right at the moment when it came out. I could be wrong about that, but I, mm-hmm. I, I have that sense of, like, wow, I went to see that movie and – it's kind of refreshing, similar to how The Matrix was. Right, It was right. like kind of refreshing because it was like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen this kind of movie in a while. And then The Matrix turned out to be way better, sure, I think, sure. than Pitch Black. But Chronicles of Riddick had moments that could have been good, but the movie itself obviously wasn't yeah. good. I want to see a good Riddick movie yeah. like the Riddick game. I also wonder, though, you know, he keeps talking about, oh, it's going to be a harder, you know, we're going to make the R movie and it. I, I've just got to ask myself, am I willing to go to that dark place that is Riddick? You know, and it's like, dude, come on. Like, he's the star of it. He's going to be Riddick. How dark? I mean, he's he's not going to be a villain. He's going to, you know, be the hero of the piece. How dark does he have to go? How are you going to make it an R-rated movie? I just don't buy it. You know, you know? Also, like, it's not like this character. Maybe, maybe he, maybe he like, internalizes a lot of stuff or something when he's, when he's <laughs> acting. I don't know. But, like, it's not like I, that acting that role would keep a person up at night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you go in and flex a little bit, snarl, yeah. you know. Dispatch some people and then you go home. And, yeah, you know, it's projecting that masculine edge. It takes a lot out of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, there's a few other uh, sci-fi projects in the news. Um, Bioshock. I know that's more horror, but the um, the one of the the I forget the guy's name now, but he's he's one of the big wigs over at the game company, and he did an interview and he said that there's still a chance for a Bioshock movie that. There's, I'm paraphrasing here. There's the Bioshock, that a story that makes for a great game. And then there is a Bioshock story that would make for a great movie. And the read between the lines sort of thing about that is, could they, I guess, like the new game, get rid of Rapture? Would that help bring down the budget and everything? The new game is, you know, the, different. It's not all set underwater. So, um, yes, it will bring down the budget. If the Bioshock universe expands, then we can have a movie that doesn't take place in Rapture. And then, you know, that that brings the budget under control. Um, I think you could probably also do that movie PG-13 if you wanted to, um, like a hard PG-13, like Dark Knight. Um, but uh, And that would help because, obviously, some of the audience that plays the game, yeah, you know, plays it even though it's a mature title, you right, know? Right, um, And I think that would help it. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I don't think there's a whole lot of teenagers that will be lining up to see that movie. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. And I think for a lot of people, 
you know, Rapture is Bioshock. You know yeah. what I mean? Just like uh, it, it, Big Big Daddy, right? Is the yeah? Well, you know, the, yeah, the Big Daddies and it, you know it, is sister. Bioshock. You know, like like yeah. there's certain elements of it, and if you remove that, it's just not Bioshock. Well, until this new game comes out, and then I feel like that is going to change sort of the universe, and then that's when you. You you know like if people buy into that that's when you say okay we can do a Bioshock movie without necessarily going underwater mm-hmm. as much or at all yeah well uh, some other sci-fi in the news Star Trek II's release date might get pushed from June of 2012 to December 2012 because uh, they still haven't written the script please do um, <laughs> I, I guess they want to you know uh, start filming by later this year but they have a 70-page you know treatment. But, you know, J.J. just wants to get through doing Super 8, which comes out in a few weeks. And then, you know, then we'll then we'll get cracking on it. It's like, guys, aren't you kind of setting yourself up to fail here by not actually just having a script done? I mean, other franchises have been put on hold, like uh, Chris Pine was supposed to do the Jack Ryan movie. And Paramount put that on hold because they wanted to fast track Star Trek. You know, I mean, Zoe Saldana's star is taken off. How long is she going to want to sit around and wait for it, you know? Yeah, and and Zachary Quinto's kind of gone dark, right? I mean, has he really popped up in anything? Yeah, he's he's producing some stuff. Yeah, Yeah. Carl Urban's got a couple, you know, he's working a lot. I I feel like, um, you know, Star Trek, it's it's good that they're going to delay it. But, you know, even if they don't delay it, I have faith in that team. You know, much like Matthew Vaughn with X-Men, I think you can you can do something in a in a truncated manner. And uh, I think one of the things that would benefit that project, um, because if they stick to the the summer date, even actually if they stick to the end of the next year, it's still a tight time for you. Um, what, one of the things that benefits that project is uh, JJ working in TV. I think you know it's a little yeah. bit different time frame. Um, and but I just don't want a Trek movie done. that's going to look cheap. Like the first one that he did looked great. Mm-hmm. I thought you know it was the biggest, most epic field of any Star Trek movie since the first one. You know all the other ones uh, with the original cast and even the next gen ones. I enjoy them all. Uh, well, not all, mm-hmm. but um, you know they all kind of had that TV scale to them. Yeah, even even Khan, which I love, like. The big money sequences in that are just the two ships fighting and the Mutara Nebula. Yeah. And the rest of it is just really a character level that people respond to. But um, hey, in- Stacks, let me jump in real quick. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to read a short reader email that was about a news item we spoke about last week. He had a sweet segue, but now uh, it's passed by. It's gone. It. Oh, well. It's gone. Uh, Rodney Charles writing in. We remember we were talking about Resident Evil, the new film, and... What, where could they go because Wesker is dead and he just was writing and just letting you guys know that there's a 99% chance that Wesker actually didn't die in the film. During the short scene with Luther emerging from the large sewer pipe after the helicopter explosion, you can see a small parachute falling from the sky. Global field. Keep in mind that Wesker can move very quickly and he was standing right in front of the parachutes when he found the purge bomb. Love the podcast. Please keep it up. Yeah, I mean, that is... Eagle Eye work. I actually, I know. you know, I've seen that movie. I saw it once in the theater, and I, I honestly don't remember much from it. it was, I didn't. You must I, have noticed it with that handy dandy 3D that it was yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't see it, you know, on in at at home, which is when I normally catch stuff like that, you know. But uh, I feel like, yeah, even even if Wesker was dead and decapitated, and you know, oh, yeah. all these things, like in Resident Evil, those rules kind of don't apply. There's exactly. all kinds of resurrection <laughs> techniques. There's, you know, so I. I'm pretty sure we will see Wesker again just because, like, he's probably the best villain that that series can hope for. Right. Um, and, and you know, I 
I mean, he kind of represents the weirdness of Umbrella um, in a personal yeah. form. Yeah. Well, um, John Carter of Mars is now just John Carter. They changed yeah, the title. Yeah. They dropped the Mars. Now, what? What the hell? I mean, it's it's not Larry Crown. It's not any of these other movies. Like, who the hell wants to see a movie just called John Carter? And also, it kind of doesn't give you a sense of what kind of movie it is. Yeah, yeah like, what exactly. the hell is this movie? You know? Exactly. I would not be surprised if they flip-flopped. They flip-flopped <laughs> and went back to John Carter of Why don't they just call it, like, grab another one of the Edgar Rice Burrow titles and call it Princess of Mars? Yeah, exactly. I mean, is it all because Mars needs moms bombed? I mean, there's, a, there's a real anti-Mars thing going on in Hollywood <laughs> right now because the Total Recall remake <clears throat> not going to be set on Mars. They got really? rid of Mars there. Yeah. So... Hey, what is this bullshit? Martians mm-hmm. are people too. Exactly. I don't. I I hate that idea. I really hate it. And I don't think it's. I mean, maybe a marketing idea. I think it probably is a marketing idea. But I don't think it would hurt it. Like what hurt Mars? Mars needs moms. Is, is that it's stupid. It looked terrible. Yeah. yeah like you exactly. saw a trailer to it, and you're like, this is terrible. I mean, those guys spend a lot more money on finding out how like titles and stuff affect people. So maybe yeah, they're right. John, it's the the part of the, the problem with the title is John Carter, not yeah. John Carter of Mars. Right. Right. Yeah. Mars exactly. tells me what to expect from it. John Carter, again, like it sounds like, what is it, like a dramedy with George Clooney or Tom Hanks or something? Yeah. Like, I don't know. what it, It's Michael Clayton now. I, one thing to... And I like on, Michael Clayton, but it's a title <laughs> thing. One thing to maybe keep in mind, though, is that there's really never been a movie with Mars in the title that's been successful. You know, like really successful. Even yeah, though... but I mean, there's... There Mission was, to Mars... Red Planet was Mars-themed, not Yeah, but they were bad movies, though. No, I know, I know. That was a bomb, too, That was a bomb, yeah. That didn't didn't perform. So, I don't know, maybe it's that particular word that they're trying to get around, but I... For my for my money, I would say lose John Carter because nobody out there is a big enough Edward Edgar Rice Burroughs fan yeah. to care. Yeah, come up with something else and just yeah. call it. You know, I mean, there's going to be some other uh, John Carter call it title. L- Laser Princess Disney. I'm giving you this one. Ready, <laughs> John Carter in space. What's up now? Yeah. What's up now? Eric Morrow dropping, <laughs> dropping bombs on your moms. <laughs> uh, uh, Takeshi Mike, I think I got his name right. Yep. He is uh, a guy who did Ichi the the Killer. Um, Thirteen Assassins. Most Thirteen recently. Assassins, which is supposed to be great. I still haven't seen it. Got it on my DVR. Oh, nice, nice. Um, what is it? Oh, it's on demand too. So right? like, it, it was a weird release because it debuted on HDNet and then it uh, went out to theaters yeah. after the. It was like a sneak preview on HDNet, and I caught it like five minutes in. I was like, "What? This is on TV!" So I recorded it. I'm missing the first five minutes, but yeah, okay. Uh, well, he's supposed to. The, the rumor is that he's doing uh, the big screen version of that Nintendo DS game, Ace Attorney. That's he's, so weird. He said that he's doing a a. Uh, courtroom comedy that's based on a video game. So what the hell else could it be? So that guy, it's got to be, it's got to be that. Um, yeah. So that guy is one of the most prolific directors living. He did the original One Missed Call, right? Yeah. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has done so, so, so many movies that he does, I think, two movies a year. And, wow. uh, you huh. know, they're not always of quality, but um, he does all these gangster movies in addition to, like, some of the stuff that we see over here, That's like funny. Gozu wow. and, like, Ichi the Killer and, um, you know. The um, guy just likes to keep working. Yeah, right? exactly. What's the movie with uh, Quentin Tarantino? Oh, uh, Western Sukiyaki, Western yeah. Django. Yeah. yeah, that was a weird ass movie. Yeah, <laughs> that was. It was like all phonetic, phonetic English by Japanese speakers. <laughs> um, another little news item: uh, Fright Night got an R rating. 
That's totally not, surprising. And, and I mean, totally the original was PG or PG thirteen, right? PG thirteen. Yeah, and uh, they wanted it to be. Well, you know, actually, PG-13. I'm not sure. I thought Frontenac maybe the original got an R. Maybe it was. I don't, <laughs> let me look it up. I'm but, curious. I'll but anyways, uh, the you know, uh, how do you think that inf- uh, affects that movie? I mean, the trailer looked like an R, but yeah. having done a set visit and you know knowing what the the tone and the, what the movie really is, I mean, with the David Tennant character and the sort of the tongue in cheek. I mean, the original is a horror comedy. The original was rated R. Yeah, ah. yeah. I think it's actually going to not keep that rating. I think they're yeah. going to resubmit and get a PG-13 because I think it needs a PG-13. The way that trailer was cut made it look like the suburbia of vampire movies. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think they really desperately need that teen audience yeah. who gives a shit about vampires to come out. Yeah, yeah actually. exactly. You yeah. know, because I think adults right now are a little like... A little like sick of vampires, or they could stay home and watch uh, watch it on watch True Blood. Yeah, exactly, you know, and get more than your fair share of our ratings worth of content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? um, one other uh, little uh, news item. Uh, what's his name? Benedict Cumberbatch. Now, there's a name for you. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm actually going to change my last name to Cumberbatch after hearing that. He's, uh, he plays Sherlock in that BBC Sherlock series uh, with Martin Freeman. <laughs> well, Martin Freeman's in The Hobbit, and he and he uh, let it be known that Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, my God, is, um, That's our new Megatron, oh Benedict Cumberbatch. Hello, I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> It's Batch, not Patch. Oh, I'm sorry. Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) He's going to be in The Hobbit. We don't know who, but the speculation is he could either be the voice of Smog. Am I saying that right? I can can spell it, but I can't. Or Bard the Bowman. Nice. So we don't know who he is yet, but, you know. Does Tom Bombadil come into The Hobbit at all? Or is he purely Cumberbatch, not the Bombadil. I think he's just... I think he's just Lord of the, Lord Rings. Of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask uh, next time we get uh, Chris Tilly in here from our UK office uh, to join a podcast with us. I'm going to ask him what's up with, uh, you know, uh, UK last names like Talawali or, you know. I think, I think, they're, I think they're Welsh, yeah. some of them. It's, it's ye old language, dude. Yeah. Like he's going to have any more perspective on it. <laughs> like, I mean, like, just because you're from a country. I couldn't tell I couldn't tell you why, like, Native American names are the way they are. <laughs> I, could, I could try. But uh, I'm not Native American, but I, but they all I sound, have read them. They all sound like a dessert or tea. You know what I mean? Like, well, they, well, they, 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 <laughs> would you like They some? all sound like very Dickensian or Harry Potter-esque. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> it could be like a novel by, you know, Dickens, you know? <laughs> we are all so... It, it would be like a masterpiece theater miniseries. Would you like to have some tea out on my Cumberpatch? <laughs> you know? Batch, people, not patch. Yeah. We are all so American. I'm, I'm very, 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 very sorry to any international <laughs> listeners. That it's, we all right. Have. it's all right. Our, our counterparts, I've heard uh, Tilly and those guys in their, in their podcast sometimes make fun of us. It's all good. It's all good. In they the have, eh? Yeah. Now I'm going to start listening to it. Taking notes. Yeah, they, they, they just make fun of us for Jersey Shore. Exactly. One. Although, hey, Tilly loves Tilly Jersey Shore. Tilly is a huge Shore. Jersey yeah. Shore fan. Yeah. Well, they're over in uh, uh, Jersey Shore. over in Italy right now fighting amongst themselves. Exactly. Uh, Ronnie and the situation get into a brawl. That's amazing. Awesome. I cannot wait for that season, uh, by the way. I, yeah. I, know, I know this is the TV podcast, but I mean the, the movies. movies podcast, but yeah. Here's yeah. the thing. I think I'm just going to throw this out really quickly and we'll move on. I think we need to do a one-off podcast because we don't cover the show on TV, so we probably wouldn't do it in the <laughs> channel surfing podcast. But just the folks here in this office that like 
Jersey Store, like the three of us, need to do a one-off we podcast. Need to, no, we need to do it live from a club. <laughs> you know, it's true. We yeah. get all the. We can get like Snooki's ex-boyfriends. Or, on the or, oh or we God, do we do hilarious. a video blog, and we all have to wear douchey Ed Hardy T-shirts and sunglasses. <laughs> all right, I already do. And we just right. we just fist pump throughout the all whole right, podcast. We're not going to bore you guys with this, but. The three of us. Let's talk about this after this podcast. <laughs> it's happening, folks. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start talking about the. Uh, we the also big just movie lost book. a bunch of subscribers. <laughs> Everybody's Jersey like, Shore. "Well, if you like Jersey Shore, then F I'm, that. Out. I'm yeah. out." Well, let's bring it back around and talk about. Um, there's uh, the embargo has been lifted, uh, uh, sort of, on X Men First Class mm-hmm. reviews, and <clears throat> now Eric Morrow and I have both seen it. Uh, Chris has some insider knowledge of the movie. He's mm-hmm. he's uh, capable of talking about the film with, yes. uh, with some specifics. Uh, we're not going to get into spoilers because I know that nobody's going to really get to see the movie until next week. But um, what we can say is that uh, Eric and I both really dug it. Yeah. And Scott Kler, really who wrote our it. review, really dug it. And the, the, the word on the street out there is that everybody else seemed to like it, too. Uh, I saw it again at a screening a couple of nights. Oh, I saw it for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, the only time, <laughs> a screening a couple of nights ago. And I was eavesdropping on a couple of people's conversations. I think the film stops obviously will have kind of an issue with it. But the thing that really struck me about the movie was that, one, it's the first good comic book movie that 20th Century Fox yeah. has put out in a long time. Ain't that the truth? And, yeah. and two, that, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, it had such a narrow window of time in which it was made that mm-hmm. announced to being released. Yeah. And the fact that they pulled it off, like, sure, it's got, it's got a few moments that are kind of wonky and, and everything. But for the most part, it's, it's pretty fun. And it really mm-hmm. it works on a lot of levels. The know? ripple effect from this is going to be horrible, though, because people are going to point at X-Men and say, oh, X-Men did it in this time frame. And um, yeah. they don't have... The personnel, i.e. Matthew Vaughn, like in charge, who I think runs a very tight ship. I um, mean, he put Kick-Ass together pretty quickly, too. And, yeah. Uh, and I, well, he was a producer, so I think that's that really comes into play and helps him do it because he knows how to do the nuts and bolts shit and how to actually get the thing done. Yeah. You know? I'm really hoping that people look at that as an anomaly, uh, although I feel like we'll always probably be You mean be in terms of up. period comic book movies? No, no, no. As an anomaly, like, oh. this can be good in a short yeah, time. Well, I mean, look, like, you know, Star Trek uh, sequel, is, you know, get back to that a little bit. I mean, those are some pretty talented hands working on that movie, sure. but I think... The, the issue that everybody kind of had with the first movie was the story wasn't great. Like, it had uh, some some kind of, you know, real plot hole problems with it, but that the charm of the piece and the overall execution of it really elevated what was, you know, a decent story. Yeah. And, and I do hope that, you know, that the sequel, you know, works on that level. But, you know, they, they also, um, I think, you know, uh, the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, movie that's coming out in August was another one that was similarly kind of rushed into production. Um, I like the trailer for that. It looks pretty cool, but Mm -hmm. you know, to keep things on the X-Men tip here, um, the two big things that really make that work, uh, make the movie work for me outside of, you know, Vaughn's execution was James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, Professor X and Magneto respectively. And particularly Fassbender, because he's a he's an actor. People might know his name, but I bet you a lot of people haven't seen him in anything. Yeah, and he really just John he's Hanks. so damn cool. 
you know. Jonah Hex? Yeah, he was Yeah, he was the uh he was Malkovich's uh henchman in that. Wow. I haven't seen Jonah Hex yet. <laughs> I think I might be the only person who's seen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I yeah, for me, I mean A uh Vaughn uh, just a stand up job, great job. I mean, coming off of kick ass to this. I mean, what a what a what a trajectory for this guy. I mean, it's great. Two, I agree the Aside from all the whatever, uh, you know, moments, set pieces, whatever you want to call them in this film, r- really makes it for me is the Xavier, uh, Eric, Magneto relationship. Yeah. Um, that Those character moments were just really, really awesome. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is very good. Yep. too, as Mystique. Yep. And her relationship with Xavier plays a far more prominent role than I think anybody ever expected. You know? Yeah. I liked, uh, you know, just from like sort of knowing enough about this project, like, like the scope of it it's very toned down it's not uh it doesn't it doesn't reach as far as a movie like this could and i think it makes sense to like kind of keep it yeah, it insular. has an epic feel because yeah. it's set against the backdrop of the cuban missile crisis and that's, so the fact that they were yeah. executed on on a basically what a medium sized budget for something yeah, like this but it's I mean, not, it, but the it feels big though. the action feels like it's on a personal level is what yeah. i'm saying yeah and yeah. so like they don't take it you know it's not this it's not this piece like gi joe or something where it's like all over right. every place oh, yeah, or, like yeah. transformers you know it's it's like it really is boiled down to characters and i think that's what is good about it and it, you know, i mean you've you've already alluded to it but like that's what's good about it and that's why i think comic fans will like it yeah. is it does get back to that relationship between those two guys and, yeah, I had and, somebody uh, ask me, uh, uh, a pal of mine on Twitter, said, well, the fact that we know they end up becoming enemies, does that rob the story of anything? And I said, no, because I think it's more – it's the fact that you're in the emotional moment with them because of the actors. I'm not going to give away certain scenes, but – there, there are scenes where you know Xavier provokes a certain uh, emotional reaction to Magneto that's very touching, and it, and it, um, it really affects the viewer because you're like you understand that these are people; they're not just, you know. So when it gets more comic booky and they put on the suits, you're into it. You're not, you're not, you're like, oh, what the hell, you know? And the suits don't suck. I mean, I think that's yeah. that's part of it too. Like the suits are. I mean, they kind of make a wink at them, but yeah. then in addition to that, they actually look decent. They're not, yeah, like they're not I ugly. think when people saw that initial photo, they're like, oh, it looks cheap and all that. Um, when you see it in the actual movie, I mean, they're only suited up for like the last 20 minutes of the movie. I mean, it's not that they're not using their powers and stuff, but, you know, if you read the X-Men comics, they're out doing stuff in their street sure. clothes and sure. stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, Wolverine, for one, is like... Almost never in costume. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, when I was growing up, he was always in the either the yellow and black and blue suit or the the brown and orange suit with the mask. And now, I think in the last what fifteen years, is he even really in a costume? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's in the black costume. I think. Yeah, sometimes I mean, he some sometimes does. I, yeah. I think it's like when it's like official right. team kickassery. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they put the uniforms on. You know, it's like putting on your dress blues yeah. if you're in the military. So. Yeah, I was, and I got to say, the third thing that I really liked about it was the. Um, Setting it against a historical, yeah. a, an actual historical event, uh, for me worked really well. You know, one because it was this this real. I'm I'm a bit of a history nerd, so I kind of like when you yeah. can introduce some fiction to real life stuff. And two, I thought the period setting really worked well. It capitalized off of the heat of Mad Men right now, and yeah. and um, it just made it also kind of harken back to the original comics, which came out in the '60s. You yeah. know, so it made for a really interesting dynamic on now, screen. There's you know? a couple of things here that. Uh, <laughs> I liked it better than Thor. 
And yeah. I think it's interesting if at the end of the summer, when we look back at what was the best comic book yeah. movie and, and the, and this summer, I, I'm still holding out hope for Cap and sure. Cowboys and Aliens. And Green but, Lantern. And Green Lantern. But what if it turns out that X-Men First Class, the one that everybody thought was going to suck, oh, they're never going to pull it off in time, oh, it's Fox, you know, X-Men is tired, blah, blah, blah. What if that ends up being the best one that That'd we had awesome. this summer? And what does that say to Marvel, though, too, who have their own game plan, they're doing their own things, and X-Men First Class, I felt like had bigger stakes and, and was better executed as an action film than Thor, which I liked, but, you know... I, Here's the thing, though. Thor was way more handicapped going in than X-Men. X-Men, you know, like, there's way more upside to that franchise. Everybody knows it. You know, like, it was a risk to go back and do a period piece and to, you know, do, like, a prequel and all that stuff. But it's a known quantity. And, you know, I, there, there was a lot to lose. But, like, Thor was a total risk. I thought. Yeah, there was really nothing you could compare it to, especially if you weren't going to go the Lord of the Rings route with it, and you were going to do straight up like old Kirby, Stanley sci-fi Thor, which they did. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, there's really the, <laughs> the only stuff that you could kind of compare it to is stuff you wouldn't want to compare it to, like Chronicles of Riddick or Flash Gordon. Yeah, I was going to say Flash <laughs> Gordon. And, you know, yeah. it was like a much classier handling of fantasy sci-fi mix than we've seen. Yeah. And then you throw a comic book element. There's a lot of things being juggled. And I think, you know, I have to say that's probably going to be way more um, memorable for me in terms of how it, like, blew away my expectations than X-Men. Because I actually had high expectations for X-Men. It's a totally, like, amazing cast assembled for it. Yeah. And Matthew Vaughn is a great director. So, you know, I, I feel like if it didn't deliver, that would be a mistake. You know, that yeah. would be, like, a bigger misstep. Um, do you think that this would... Could we be looking at Fox maybe trying to do, uh, you know, kind of take a page from Marvel's playbook and do a shared universe? Because they are rebooting Fantastic Four. Could we see them go back to, like, kind of a Cape Canaveral, Camelot-era Fantastic Four, like how they started? I think they should do that. I don't, yeah, I don't think awesome. they will. I don't think they yeah. will. I mean, no I, no, I mean, I think they should do that with Fantastic Four, right. like the, that era. But I don't think they should mix them because I don't think – first of all, I don't think X-Men and Fantastic Four – are a great fit together, you know, like I know they've, you know, done stuff to, before in the comics, but that stuff always kind of even felt forced in the comics. Like, yeah. uh, I, I feel like Fantastic Four is kind of its own thing with its own tone and they should like be going for that tone. Uh, how do you think though, X-Men first class being such a different kind of, um, you know, period and vibe to that movie, uh, and now with Wolverine two still kind of being developed, how do you think, do you think it's kind of, um, a schizophrenic sort of uh, universe that they're setting up with X-Men. Like, shouldn't X-Men first class... I feel like they should just jettison everything that came before and just start over with this one. X-Men first class has enough nods and other things in there that firmly rooted in the films that came before. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, like with the Star Trek reboot, you know, we all get it now. We're all hip to, like, reboots and... You know, the Bond films have been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. You know, like you just you get it, you know, that, okay, that was then. This is now we can start over. Do you think that they should just kind of hit the reset button on X-Men? I personally do. I think this is a great starting point for them. Um, um, I think you said it when we were talking that this felt like the Star Trek reboot. 
did yeah. to you, you know. So yeah, yeah. if X Men Two is their con, then yeah. this is the Abrams reboot. This is the Abrams reboot. Yeah. Well, let's say there's a you know X Men cleans up and there is a sequel, which there likely will be. Um, it's interesting because you know you're going to get Magneto and Xavier, and we all know them as older people, like in the yeah. comics. Um, you know, you're going to get to see either their story of how they became those people or you're going to see, I don't know, just another adventure set in that universe. Or are they going to, like, fast forward a bit and go to, like, the 70s or 80s? Like, what yeah. do you guys think? Yeah, I think they'll probably uh, – honestly, I think I think they'll set it in the 70s. I think each sequel will probably be set in a different, like, decade. They'll, they'll wrap some other historical event around it. And if they're smart, they'll introduce a complete new team of – of mutants, maybe keep one or two people, but it's always a different class. Or, know? or will yeah. they go a different route and basically make this the uh, the Harry Potter of superhero films, where it's set in school and you're following this one group of people, and there's this overarching kind of storyline with Magneto as sort of the Voldemort. I think mm. that would make for an amazing TV show. You know, like if they, yeah. if they did like a a Harry Potter style school, but it was set. It's in like X-Men. it's like Saved by the Bell, but with mutants. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's go develop that. Yeah, let's do it. Done. All right. Well, uh, we we don't want to, you know, next week we can talk more about X-Men First Class because I don't want to, you know, get into spoilerific territory. Do you have any more reader email before we start talking about what's coming up this week? Um, I have a couple that are tied to Hangover 2, actually, and since that comes out, you know, it came out uh, on Wednesday, right? No, no, no. It it actually the review embargo was left at Wednesday. The oh, movie okay. opens like tonight at midnight. Oh, got it. Okay. Um so um well here's one first. Um um from DeAnti, I think. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh hey there, real keepers. <laughs> uh, longtime listener, first time emailer, love the show. First of all gets uh, love the show, first of all gets help helps get me through my Overnights at work. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Eric has just learned to read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, cat. Uh, kind of random question here, but has there ever been a movie that performed drastically better its second or third week rather than its opening week in the box office? Avatar. Just curious. Avatar. Um, uh, Titanic was – didn't that go from like – one to like three and then back to one again or something yeah there's always like movies that kind of um paranormal activity you know that kind of like start off kind of um yeah paranormal i think was any real real word of mouth movie that you can think of you know um that that you know i think even some of the tyler perry movies you know some of the early ones like started off kind of early yeah like had an okay box office and then blew up i'm sure there are a lot of animated films too like um you know probably some of the Maybe some of the DreamWorks ones or something. Dark Knight? No, I mean, no. Dark Knight was always... I don't like, think so. I think Dark yeah. Knight opened really big. Yeah, it made yeah, like and Avatar for sure did because, remember, we opened, it opened and it was at like 70 million or something for that weekend. And we were like, oh, that was pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. like it was better than a lot of people were predicting. And then it just blew up and continued to blow up forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I would say that's the number one example. Yeah, no, there. I, I feel like there are, uh, are, are more kind of... Um, Bigger examples. I don't know if the Pirates movie, Blair like Witch, the first maybe? one, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't actually, you know, like there's. I guess we didn't research. Yeah. Those yeah. Well, well we're, Paranormal we're Activity for sure, I can say. Yeah. Yeah. And Paranormal and Avatar for sure. Um, and he says, thanks for potentially reading this. Oh, 
And can I get a Megatron shout-out? Megatron! <laughs> oh, dude, I cannot wait until Transformers 2 week, because then every other sentence Three? is going to be... Oh, Transformers 3. <laughs> let's go back in time to Transformers 2 week. Actually, let's never do Revenge that. Revenge of the Fallen's going to be awesome. Revenge <laughs> of the Fallen looks sick. <laughs> you know, you have that... There are those trailers that come out where you're, like, you're, you're like super enthusiastic about it, um, but... You know, in the in the deepest part of your heart, you're thinking this is probably really going to suck. And, I blame Phantom Menace for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Transformers Two, unfortunately, was one of those for me because even in even in the, some of those trailers, you saw some of those like cheesy moments that Bay likes to throw in, mm-hmm. like humor wise. And I was like, oh man, all the stuff that I hated about one, like the stupid, um, the, the yeah, little robot thing, the little the... robot thing, all the stupid like, you know, like. Puerile jokes in it. And, yeah. <laughs> I know the third one looks pretty, the, pretty the, sweet so far. The yeah. government agent, horrible. Oh, uh, yeah. Turturro, yeah, Turturro, he was terrible like, in it. awful, awful, awful. Anytime he was on screen, I wanted to throw up. <laughs> he's, he's back for this one. Yeah, they're yeah. going with a much darker tone. It looks like though, so hopefully, yeah, this yeah. movie actually looks like what Skyline should have been. You know, <laughs> like, it's like actually yeah. like, Transformers coming in and just <laughs> raping the world. Um, so here's That's a, actually was the original Titanic <laughs> raping the world. <laughs> so here's another uh, reader email here. Um, Dylan Trahan. He says, hey, guys, I really dig the podcast. Haven't missed an episode since I started listening. Nice. Uh, with the bad reviews for Hangover 2 pouring in, do you think it would take more than just asses and seats for them to move ahead on a third installment? Thanks for your time and keep keeping it real. I think asses and seats is all they need. Yeah. I mean, it didn't stop. If it's not going to stop a Pirates 5, yeah. it's not going to stop a Hangover 3. The only thing that could stop it is if the actors are just like, I don't want to do it again. Yeah, exactly. Like Zach Galifianakis or Bradley Cooper, you know. Which wanna... I could see. I could see Zach Galifianakis for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because there was definitely, there was some strife on this one. Like, he was kind of leading the charge against, like, I don't want Mel Gibson and all that. So, you know, there has to have been a little bit of bad blood there. I mean, they seemed fine together when they're doing the press for the movie, but... You know, I mean, you're cooped up together all the time in this movie. You know, you're in every scene together. You're on press tour together. Mm. And then, you know, the first one just came out in 2009. It's, you know, they barely just gotten through doing press with the first <laughs> one and with DVD and everything when they started saying, okay, we're going to gear up for the second one. And that yeah. sequel was announced before that movie came out, yeah. if yeah. you remember. Yeah, yeah. Just because of the the good like sort of initial buzz, but I don't know. I mean, I think if enough people go to it, they'll definitely try to make it. I think that if Zach Galifianakis is out, then the movie doesn't happen. Or if you know everybody goes to see it, but they didn't like it. But you know? yeah, and here's the here's the other thing I could see happening is um, them doing a spinoff movie with um, Ken Jeong's character uh. um, and doing doing something like that, just because mm. like that. It seems like it's going to be the positive out take in take away from this movie. You know, like that's what most people. But is the whole think. movie just going to be him? You know, full frontal naked because that's yeah. ultimately like it's his shtick in the movie. Is, is you know, I have a small penis. Look at it. You know, <laughs> I hope not. I <laughs> <laughs> um, hear oh, hey, I have a new uh, tagline for Transformers Three. You know, raping the wall <laughs> on June seventeenth. 
Earth gets it in the butt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That would be amazing if Michael Bay listened to you. <laughs> and you just see, like, the poster that. is the Earth, and you just see the big robot hands, and he's <laughs> like he's doing it from behind. Oh, Lord. <laughs> now this podcast Goodbye, Australia. Football. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Let's go to some uh, um, video game uh, video game to movies. Uh uh, questions here. Um, Eric writes in, uh, hey guys, just wanted to know what you think about the Mortal Kombat Legacy web series and uh, if it, along with the Rebirth short, could give hope to a good Mortal Kombat movie. Personally, I love the more realistic take of Rebirth and some episodes in Legacy. Uh, Raiden's episode was awesome. Keep up the good work. I mean, they've been talking about it for ever since that the original short came out, but I don't know. I don't know quite what the holdup is with all that. I think uh, I think they're actually trying to see what the audience is online for the yeah. shorts, um, and they'll probably let let this play out. But I I I think there's a pretty decent chance of a Mortal Kombat movie I do too. with that universe and with those characters. Possibly, maybe not all the actors, but you know. Yeah, a, a, you know that director. Yeah, I think um, the success of the video game is going to play into that because you know Mortal Kombat's kind of like riding a high now, um, and I I just I, I think his take on it is a good one. The game itself is so cheesy in some ways. I mean, it's a great game, but like the story is ridiculous. I was I was watching the original last night. And I was on cable, <laughs> and I was just like. I don't even know how you make all these things work together in a movie. They just but, look ri- you know, ridiculous. You know what's interesting, though, is that this Mortal Kombat succeeded at what Street Fighter Legend of Chung Li tried to do and, mm-hmm. and failed at, which was make it real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's interesting that it's just, you know, they have similar approach, but it's really all in the execution. And, you know, it comes into the same thing that sinks any project is if the story and the characters and the dialogue suck – no matter how cool something looks, people aren't going to, you know, they're just not going to embrace it. Yeah. It's like um, Mortal Kombat to me, the, the web series feels like kind of like the dark night of video game projects in that they try to make everything make sense. Yeah. And that they, you know, they've elevated what the original kind of, um, I don't, don't want to say elevated, you know, because Batman already has some great source material. But yeah. um, for Mortal Kombat, they've definitely elevated that source material to, you know, and, and made it. Slightly more realistic than, or more than slightly right. more realistic than. Well, and it's interesting too it because is. the approach they're taking—it's not um, with the web series with Legacy. It's not like the first Mortal Kombat film, which is okay. Let's get all the characters together and do the tournament to to save Earth. It's let's show. I guess it's almost setting up that movie to right. come. Let's show you how all these characters got to be the way they are and where they came from. So you get Jack, Sonya and um, Kano's story. You get, you know, the ones that are, the one that's out right now and it's a continuation next week. We'll be continuing it. Scorpion and Sub-Zero story, Raiden story, as you referenced here, Katana and her sister, you know, or clone or whatever, you know? So I thought that's kind of interesting. Take these little snippets, show us where, how all these characters came to be. Yeah. And now bring them together. It'd be movie, interesting you know? to see other, other properties get, uh, a web series treatment It's almost like, it's like a trial balloon. It's I mean, why, why don't they try that with Bioshock? And, and just I, even see if it even works. Like maybe it'll just look stupid if you try to do the whole thing underwater. Maybe it'll look like remember the old man from Atlantis TV yeah. series in the seventies. <laughs> I have to say one of the things that I'm really like sort of excited about in Hollywood these days is the fact that 
dudes can come out, spend a little bit of their money, make a project happen, and do something that maybe you know you almost have to like put something in front of the studios to like make it make it look great to you them. You have to basically do their job for them yeah. in order yeah. for them to finally pony up. Yep. But it's so cool that you can audition. A, a motion picture. And it in that doesn't way. take anything now to to make something a viral sensation. Exactly, like no. like the one dude, link and that's it. Man. Yeah, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the Wolverine piece, but the the fact that that guy is even on that list yeah. is amazing because he took the sort of like first step and 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 said I'm going to sink some money into this and I'm going to make it. And you know what? Even if he doesn't make it for that Wolverine project, he'll be on other. He's going to be on. He's going to be on the list. So like, if there's anybody film student out there, you know, and you're like wondering how to break in. He just graduated from film school in Ireland like two or three years ago. Yeah, I mean, make yeah. a movie. Make a movie that you're passionate about. Use characters that you don't have a rights to. Yeah. Seriously. No, like, fan, fan films, actually, I mean, look at – or even like, um, you know, with the uh, – I know that there was a whole wave of this and that maybe there was a bit of a glut of um, all those like little sci-fi films like, oh, look, I can make a, an alien invasion. It looks great. And I did it all on my computer. Right. And, you know, those things make the rounds. But those guys all got meetings. And I guess a lot of it, too, comes down to like, you know, well, what else do you have? Uh, how good are you with story? Are you an okay person to work with? You embrace it. It's the same thing that can sink you, I'm sure, in any job, going out for any right. job, you know? Yeah, and I think it's just about like your passion for the project, have something to back it up. But like, if you if that's like your calling card, you yeah, know, it's good stuff. And if you have the Same opportunity to date the daughter of a more successful filmmaker <laughs> or an agent, go for it. I don't care if she looks like Mr. Ed. <laughs> that will be your stepping stone. That was the first, by the way, first Mr. Ed reference of the pod in podcast history. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I have a feeling I did one before. Oh. Maybe. Take I'm going to take that bell back. <laughs> um, okay, well, we're going to probably have yeah. to start wrapping it up now, but I just wanted to say uh, about Hangover 2, I wasn't really nuts about it. You can you can read my review at uh, at Movies. Uh, but um, I thought it's basically it's the same story told again, except now they they up everything with the action and the stakes, and you know, set it in Bangkok. It definitely has its moments. There are a couple of good laughs in there, but it's not as quotable as the first yes. movie. This exactly. one really was more like sight gags and kind of um, you know, like nudity and stuff like that that makes you laugh. But I, I and it was also kind of a darker and more mean spirited sort of. Um, edge to it that just, you know, Zach Galifianakis' character was, you know, what was kind of daffy and endearing about him in this movie. This time he just seems like he's mentally challenged. <laughs> well, you, feel, first... you feel bad, like, at a, f- a few points. He seems pathetic. Well, he the, really does. In the first movie, it's pretty implied that he's a pedophile, right? Like, isn't it? They said he's not allowed within, yeah. like, so oh, yeah. feet of yeah. a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. It's yeah, like... Yeah. Oh, no, the school. Remember when they go to pick up Bradley Cooper's character? Oh, yeah, he's like, yeah. I don't feel comfortable here. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's I all, forgot about that. He's already yeah. not a very, like, you know, upfront dude. Well, no wonder he that. went to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> he's going the Gary Glitter route. Fair, fair enough. All right. Yeah. So, okay, so what do we think Hangover 2 is going to do this weekend? It's being projected by some of the trades for doing anywhere from 100 to 125 million. Mind you, the original movie opened at 45 million, ended up becoming the highest rating uh, highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time, over $200 million. Um, And then it's also opening up against Kung Fu Panda 2, which, you know, the first one was obviously a hit and everything. I think the second one's getting great buzz. Uh, I'm of the minority opinion that Kung Fu Panda 2 has a chance 
at opening at number one ahead of Hangover 2. I know I'm in the minority, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I'm, I'm actually in my head. I'm putting Kung Fu Panda 2 above Hangover. I'm be, putting it at number one. Because it's shorter. It's PG movie. It's a kid's movie, yeah. It's a kid's movie. And a lot of people ran out and saw the first Hangover, and I've heard nothing but people dissing it in the years since. Like, I like the movie. It's grown on me. I didn't like it that much the first time I saw it, but subsequent viewings on cable, it's kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But this one didn't have that. Yeah. You know? So... What do, you, what do you think, Eric? What do you think is going to be number one, and how much do you think it'll like? I'm going to say Kung Fu Panda at number one, 83 million. And, oh, wait, wait, wait. It's a long weekend. Yeah. It's a long weekend. Okay. Uh, Kung Fu Panda number one still at, I'll say 90 million. And The Hangover 2 at number two at uh, 82 million. Okay, Chris. Um, I got Hangover at ninety-five million. Um, I think Kung Fu Panda two at eighty-two million, and I think Pirates at forty. And it's yeah. going to be a monster, monster week at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be a good. Yeah, weekend. Pirates. I'll say Pirates th- uh, also at number three. Yeah. Um, shit. What would that eighty-two? It's just. It's just yeah. like ridiculous because Pirates open at like ninety. 92 or so 90. even if it drops 60 percent it's still like going to make yeah. like 35 yeah. or 40 million so. yeah i'll say 45 million for okay pirates. all right i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna stick my neck out i'm gonna say kung fu panda 2 at uh 89 <laughs> we're playing and and hangover right. 2 at uh 87 Wow. I think it's going to be pretty neck and neck. And then Pirates at uh, 41. I mean, that's got to be one of the biggest box office weekends, you know, we've seen. But here it's, it begins I mean, now, this sort of yeah. like, okay, next weekend. I, I have a feeling Hangover 2 could end up being the big disappointment of the summer. You could. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's nobody I've, I know who's seen it liked it. Not enough to want to go see it again. And I think it'll be a very front-loaded movie, but, you know, with all the stuff coming up, X-Men, everything, it's going to plummet. You know, I think it'll be when we do our, our sort of, uh, you know, um, not autopsy at the end of the summer, but the, the what's the Post-mortem. Term? Post-mortem mm-hmm. on, uh, on the, the summer box office. We'll be looking back at this particular weekend as, okay, what is the signal for the rest of the summer when you're going to have all these superhero movies going head-to-head? Well, Kung Fu Panda is actually... Has has a little breathing room here for a couple of weeks, and, yeah. and it's like going to be a family movie that I think can can actually generate some serious. I mean, look how this. much Rio has done without really having too much competition. Yeah, you know, Rio did well, and I think Kung Fu Panda too is probably a better movie. It's a pretty, you know, like it's a pretty adult box office right now in terms yeah. of summer movies. Uh, you know, Thor is even PG thirteen, although I'm I'm sure a lot of kids are going to that. Um, Bridesmaids, you know, was was a big deal, and now do you I, think it's Possible. I'm sorry to cut you off, but do you think it's possible that Bridesmaids could be number three and Pirates would be number four? No, mm, no, yeah, I don't think so either. Because Bridesmaids is already down to 18, and I feel like Pirates, you know, it, it, even if it drops 60 percent, like you said, or even 70 no, percent, Bridesmaids gonna... was down to 21. Oh, 21. That's right. I'm looking at our numbers <laughs> like they're the real thing. But do you think? I mean. Could Bridesmaids cut in at all to the Hangover 2 one? Like, yes. Yeah, you know, I saw Hangover 1, and I didn't really like it. So, you know, I'd rather – and everybody's going to go to see it this weekend. So let's go see Bridesmaids. I haven't seen that, and I heard it's great. I think what's going to more happen is if people can't get into Hangover, they'll go see Bridesmaids. And that will yeah. actually, like, be some good runoff for that movie. Should we 
take a guess at how much we think Bridesmaids will do this weekend? We I all mean, think it's going to be number four. I'm going to say it's going to be 15. I don't think it'll drop that much at all. Wow. Because right. I think, again, like you're right, like whoever can't get into Hangover 2 is going to try to get to Bridesmaids. I'm going to say 12 for yeah, that. Yeah, 12. Yeah. Because, you know, hang, uh, Hangover 2 is also, I think it's a little over two hours and it's R-rated. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Kung Fu Panda 2 is like, what, 90 it's minutes? Just under, it's, it's just under two, actually. G or yeah. PG or something? You know, I think um, uh, Hangover is predicted to have 10 million something on the midnight showing uh, Thursday night, tonight. Um, and uh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much is that? Is, are, are the absolutely the people that were, you know, th- that was their core audience. That movie up. has a broad base, though. And that's the yeah. that's, you know, th- I think that's the, the thing is like any adult looking to see a comedy. Um, this is way more dude comedy than. Well, actually, Bridesmaids is a dude comedy. Um, yeah. But it just so happens to star women. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think this is like... It's a bromance, yeah, not it's a bromance. A, it's, yeah, it is, it, is, it is definitely for bras. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that'll about do it. It's going to be very interesting, though, to see um, what the Memorial Day uh, weekend box office results are. So between that and, and getting more uh, in-depth about X-Men First Class next week, uh, next week's podcast will be very, very full, very interesting. So until next time, uh, have a good weekend, and we'll see you next time.